Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Fringe with Benefits podcast, episode 83. Man, 83. And man, it's been a while. I had to step away because recording wasn't serving me in the best way. Therefore, I, I couldn't do for you what I need to be able to do for you. I really love doing this and I think it's important to keep doing this and that's why I'm back at it exposing the madness and calling out the hypocrisies and the conspiracies that they literally are trying to control us and if we can't be controlled they want to kill us and everything in between. Stop playing their game people I'm telling you what. I am Stacy, and I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Okay, first, Stacy Socials. Man, there's been a lot of stuff, and I've been kind of trying to separate myself with what's going on in the world because everything's so convoluted and confusing, and I don't know what to believe anymore. So I've been kind of sticking to my trusty old, you know, alternative news sources independent journalists. That's basically where I've been. I want to start with a recent expose that Abigail Schreier put out. And it's about legislation that's been passed in California. Okay. So everybody share this information and just get it out there so people can actually see what some of these legislatures are doing to our society. So, okay, Abigail Schreier, she wrote Irreplaceable Damage. I think that's what it's called. Irreversible Damage was a book about the, the social contagion that is the transgender thing that's happening with our kids nowadays. So it's really crazy how, how much it's increased. Gender dysphoria has never, ever been this big of a thing. So now it's this huge thing, and like one out of every four high school students is experiencing some form of um, identity crisis, and it's usually related to their gender or their sexuality. So Abigail Schreier worked with Aaron Wilson and Stephanie Powell, and they did a tour of Figueroa Avenue. They call it the track, and it's one of California's busiest prostitution areas. Wilson, Aaron Wilson, volunteers for the anti-trafficking organization Journey Out, and her mother, Stephanie Powell, has worked to combat human trafficking in LA and to help women and child victims escape this hellish landscape. Prostitution nowadays is super idealized. They say, you know, sex work is real work and sex workers need rights. And I, I, I don't agree with the first statement, but I do agree with the second statement. But people are overlooking the awful reality of this and what it means to actually have a pimp or a manager, an arrangement, that, which is pretty close to slavery than any other job. Some of these girls or people obviously have sex more than once a day when you're trafficking your own body or if you're selling your own body or being trafficked. More likely than not, you have somebody that's helping you sell your body. But these people are having sex sometimes 9 to 21 times a day with different guys in one day. Vanessa Russell of Love Never Fails is an anti-trafficking nonprofit based near Oakland, says that 
that, you know, this is not healthy living and the body is not made to have this kind of contact with the microbiome and other people, that it causes pelvic inflammatory disease and the female's body is subjected to what she calls a microbial assault, including STDs, yeast infections, and urinary tract infections. And in most cases, some of these girls or people, I guess I should say, some of these sex workers, they don't take showers in between. So that just triples their chances of getting some sort of bacterial issue or infection. In the last few decades, we have seen a large uptick in human trafficking. Nothing compares with the stunning rise in trafficking they witnessed in the recent months. Powell is a formerly a sergeant in the LA Police Department's Vice Division, and over the last six months, the number of prostitutes have doubled, she said, that there used to be about 30 girls out there on Figueroa, but now you would see about 60 to 65 girls in an hour. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of activity going on there, right? She says that, um, or the, the anti-trafficking advocates are telling Abigail that it's the Senate Bill 357, which was signed by Governor Newsom in July. This measure decriminalized loitering to the intent to engage in prostitution. Police stopped making arrests for crimes that would no longer be charged. So police officers need probable cause to stop and investigate. And law enforcement's hands have been tied in this situation. So, of course, these pimps and these traffickers are like, man, it's green light. We could do whatever we want, even though prostitution remains illegal in California. Sergeant Marcos Campos of the Oakland Police Department told Abigail that his force rescued 24 underage girls from the streets in 2021. And in 2022, that number dropped to about 14 since the law was signed, which means we are rescuing less girls. The sergeant said, we've been directed by the district attorney's office not to arrest for statute 653.22, which is the loitering statute. He says that not only is there a rise in trafficking, but it brings a rise in gun violence, which often attends prostitution. So why would the California state legislature pass such a law? Well, the bill's author, San Francisco-based state Senator Scott Weiner, says it was necessary to advance the rights of LGBTQ people. He's saying that if you're standing on the sidewalk with your thong hanging out in high heels, tight clothing, an officer can say he thinks you're loitering and arrest you for trying to commit prostitution. And this is what he says to back that up. Now, listen to this. He said, that's not how we should be doing things in the United States of America, arresting people for how they look. And when you do that, not surprisingly, it's only certain kinds of people who actually get arrested. It's trans women. It's black women. It's an inherently profiling law. Randomly arresting a bunch of black trans women for how they look is not protecting potential victims of human trafficking. That's what he had to say. But... The vast majority of those that are trafficked are biological women and girls, not transgender people. Russell, who's worked in tech for 20 years, she became interested in combating human trafficking while teaching inner city kids how to dance. 
She said 12 years ago, one of her students, age 15, was raped, raped in Hayward and then trafficked throughout California for about a year. The girl had no parents and she was being raised by family members. And there's a strategy that's called Romeo pimping, which is when you get the girl to believe that they're your girlfriend and you're their boyfriend and you're going to take care of them. And then they end up selling you to multiple people. So remember that Romeo pimping. Russell also started Love Never Fails. This is a rescue mission for girls like this former student. She says that 83% of all cases within the U.S. are U.S.-born people that are being trafficked. So Abigail Schreier hit the streets with these two gals. And they did kind of like a ride-along of the track, which is Figaro Avenue. And they were looking at, you know, peak times, what girls were out there. And they observed that most of them were females. There was maybe one or two transgender women. Many of them looked under 18 years old. Okay. Now, I don't know if you remember being a teenager, but we didn't really make the best decisions as we, when we were young people. We're basically driven by, like, our brain's still growing. It's still, we are still learning decision-making skills. So, Making this decision or being forced into this situation or in, in a situation where there's so much desperation, you choose sex work as your line of work, you're most likely going to end up regretting it later on in life. There's another population Russell's seeing a rise in the last few years among the ranks of these trafficking victims. And these are people that identify as LGBTQIA+. Now let's look at, at a little bit about Scott Weiner. Okay, he's been all over social media posting pictures of himself at street fairs, wearing bondage gear, totally celebrating pride. That's cool. But he also put a post out during the monkeypox outbreak that he tweeted. He tweeted an article encouraging gay men to cover up their monkeypox with band-aids and just continue fucking whoever. And he also threatened to make Drag Queen 101 a mandatory part of K-12 through 12 education. He said that he was really just trolling people and that it was a tongue-in-cheek remark. But those things are kind of serious statements to make. And, and since when in the history of our country have politicians been able to wear um, sexy get-ups or be sexually deviant in public? This was always something that was kind of... You know, if you were a freak, whatever, but you kind of kept it to yourself. If you're representing your constituents, you want to at least appear that you're responsible and moral and are going to act ethically, correct? Well, not anymore. Wiener stands out as one of the nation's most effective law lawmakers right now. In the six years since he took office, He's managed to author and get past a series of radical gender and sex-related bills. So the measures have allowed biological male felons to self-ID their way into women's prisons. They've assigned criminal penalties to healthcare workers who fail to provide gender-affirming care. They've made California a sanctuary state for LGBTQ youth and expanded access to gender-affirming care for the youth with or without parental approval, proposed jail time for healthcare workers who willfully and repeatedly misgender a patient, decriminalized the intentional exposure of sexual partner to HIV, and reduced criminal penalties towards sex offenders. 
In 2021, there was another Wiener bill that sought to decriminalize uh, psilocybin and ketamine. It failed to pass. And it's not just psilocybin and ketamine. It's like LSD or any of those mind-altering substances, which I'm actually a proponent for the psilocybin being legalized, but maybe not all of them. Both as a former Senate aide and a California Republican Party strategist told her that Wiener, one of the country's most prominent and outspoken defenders of LGBTQ rights, is uniquely difficult to oppose. He told her that the moment you speak out against one of his bills, he turns around and says you're homophobic or transphobic, you're this or that, name-calling, basic, you know. Basic bullshit that they've been doing if you oppose their weird policies. Not only does Wiener's bills seek to protect LGBTQ, K, LGBTQ youth, they also represent a golden opportunity for adults who would take advantage of these kids. Whatever the intent, it's to make life better for the sexual predators and not so much for the kids. Considering the SB 145, the 2020 measure that amended the sex offender registration laws in California, so that an adult having anal or oral sex with a minor could avoid being placed on the sex offender registry as long as that child was 14 and the adult was no more than a decade older. That's not cool. There's been judicial latitude in California as to whether to place perpetrators of statutory rape on the sex offender registry. If the crime involved was vaginal intercourse with a minor, the minor was at least 14 and the offender was within 10 years of her age. Wiener's bill extends potential leniency in sentencing to statutory rape involving anal or oral sex. He's defending the bill as required to end blatant discrimination against LGBT young people regarding California sex offender registry, is what he says. Wiener said the only thing SB 145 did was to treat LGBTQ young people exactly the same way that straight young people have been treated on the sex offender registry which is if you're within a certain age range and there's statutory rape that happened, then judges have had the discretion to decide whether someone should go onto the sexual offender registry. These queer kids and these gay kids he's talking about, she's calling out the hypocrisy that it, it's not referring to the young gay teens who are victims of felony statutory rape. These minors are not being discriminated against by the law, they're being protected because they're, they're supposed to be sexually off-limits to predatory adults. So when he refers to discrimination against queer kids, Wiener seems to actually be concerned with the law's unfairness to the perpetrators of felino, felony statutory rape. He's worrying about the 20-something adult, a kid in his turn of phrase, who has sex with a minor. And she, Abigail, says that his equality argument is his classic sleight of hand. So he's practiced it a lot. When he authored the bill to eliminate felony penalty enhancement for knowingly exposing a sex partner to HIV, he claimed the mantle of fighting discrimination against those living with the disease. But as a consequence of the bill, there is now no justice for any gay man infected with HIV by a sex partner who lied about it. The violation of his consent and bodily integrity now go unvindicated. He also promotes use of the drug, the, the, um, the preventative med medicine, so you don't get HIV. I guess he takes that on a daily basis. So that's kind of interesting. So here we go with 
the disconnect between civil rights and the on the ground on the ground effects of his bills. The one that's most obvious is the sanctuary state legislation SB 107 enacted just this month, January. We're still in January. This will turn California into a state of refuge for trans kids and their families. Let's look at the impact of this law. The bill that it amends is California's Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction and Enforcement Act, also known as UCCJEA. Deters interstate forum shopping and parental kidnapping by, by making the jurisdiction and custody disputes the exclusive province of home state courts. 49 of 50 states, including California, adopted this rule voluntarily limiting the jurisdiction of their courts. For example, a father with his kid to Michigan. For example, a father under investigation by Wisconsin's Child Protective Services cannot simply flee with his kid to Michigan to have a custody determination educated in the ju jurisdiction that he considers more favorable. But Wiener's sanctuary state bill now amends this um, UCCGEA to allow California courts to exercise jurisdiction where parents would otherwise be prosecuted in their home states for having medically transitioned their kids. Reaction to the laws in various states have criminalized gender medical treatments on minors, and this provision may be unconstitutional. California courts' refusal to cooperate with out-of-state subpoenas and extradition orders in this context may violate the full faith and credit clause of the U.S. Constitution. A more mischievous provision of the sanctuary state bill says, Quote, a court of this state has temporary emergency jurisdiction if the child is present in this state and the child has been abandoned or is it is necessary in an emergency to protect the child because the child or a sibling or a parent of the child is subjected to or threatened with mistreatment or abuse or because the child has been unable to obtain gender affirming health care or gender affirming medical mental health care. Listen to that. Court may obtain temporary emergency jurisdiction over the care of a child if she has been unable to attain gender-affirming medical care. This law is equating child abuse and neglect with failing to provide gender-affirming medical transitioning procedures to a child. The law is treating them as an equivalent for the purposes of letting the court take jurisdiction over the care of the minor. So invite the runaways to California and... And then you've got more people to exploit, more money coming into the medical industrial complex. Abigail asked a criminal law expert with experience working on federal state joint criminal investigations to interpret this provision. And they said, that means the kid is going to come to California, go to some nonprofit, which will bring the kid before a family court. And the court will say, we find you've been abandoned or you've been unable to get necessary health care. So we, as the state, are going to assume custody over this child and let you do exactly what you want. In 2019, Wiener co-sponsored the LGBTQ Foster Youth Bill of Rights. The bill granted foster kids the rights, among other things, to abortions, contraception, and medical treatment for sexual assault without the knowledge or the consent of their parents. And this one blew my mind. The right to access computer technology and the internet. The, the, the bill is supporting the claim that the internet allows these youth to obtain the peer support they need because they're extremely vulnerable and lacking intact family. So no, no monitored internet use for ki these kids. They can access whatever they want on the internet. 
This gives greater access to child victims. They're, the Internet's become a major tool for traffickers, especially of boys. They've been doing this thing called sextortion. It's the new trend where there's a, um, a fake catfish girl and they befriend a boy, then send him to a chat room and then solicit nude pictures of the boy. And then once they get them, they say, if you don't give us 5,000 bucks, we're going to expose you on the Internet and put it all on all your social media. Lots of people are saying that this wiener fella is going to present a formidable candidate to replace Nancy Pelosi in the 11th district, but he's already well positioned to get a lot of laws passed. So, I mean, you look at the human trafficking issue, especially in California, plus these this bill about the LGBTQ youth, no wonder the number of child prostitutes is increasing or the, the the number of sex workers is increasing next is the okay this story came out in about 2012 it recently ran across my news feed and i don't think it got enough attention especially since it was 2012 this is before all this conspiracy stuff that became basically it's all mainstream now you know this whole child sacrifice killing kids eating babies thing it's you know it's dinner table conversation nowadays. Well, in 2012, thousands of capsules filled with powdered flesh from dead babies were seized by North Korean or South Korean customs officials. The pills were said to be made in northeastern China and were thought by some to be a viable cure for disease. Korean custom services refused to say where these babies where the babies were used to make or where they came from that were used to make the pills and who was behind their production. Chinese officials are investigating the making of drugs from dead fetuses and newborns and Korean customs have witnessed 35 smuggling attempts of the capsules since last August. This is 2012. They are disguised as stamina boosters. The capsules are confiscated by customs. No one was punished because the amount was too small for criminal charges. This article says it is the belief that ethnic Koreans from China who now live in South Korea were intending to use the pills themselves or share them with other Korean Chinese people. They were carried in luggage and sent by mail. A little bit more detailed of a report of this story gives a little bit more information. So, okay, it, it uncovered the 35 attempts to import a total of 17,451 capsules. The thing is, is these pills, they're basically just regular capsules filled with the dried powdered flesh of fetuses or dead infants. Okay. Of course, there's ethical questions being asked about not only that you, it's a ground up dead baby, but it's could be contaminated with super bacteria or other disease-causing organisms. This article says that they were sent from the northeastern cities of Yanji and Jilin, as well as cities including Qingdao and Tianjin. Some were hidden in packages of legitimate drugs to disguise their contents. So obviously people know that there's something wrong here if they had to hide them in other pill bottles. Officials now closely monitor flights from certain Chinese regions and inspect all the luggage of passengers far more than before. Bringing in such pills breaches a regulation banning items that violate social dignity and customs, says Kim Soo-yeon, a Korean customs official. 
No organized attempts to smuggle in the capsules have been detected, and most in offenders are individual travelers. Some claim to say that they were unaware of what they were carrying. Kim said, it's not just human flesh pills. We also target other similarly banned but popular items like sealed penises and bare gallbladders. These are favored by middle-aged men as libido enhancers. I tried to do some sleuthing to find out if you can actually buy pills, but nothing came up. I'm sure that this is more of a dark web item to purchase because who the hell is making them? Okay, so the Chosun Ibu newspaper said the human flesh capsules sell for 40000 to 50000 That's about 35 to $44 each at some oriental herbal medicine shops. Experts say the practice stems from a superstitious belief that eating the body parts of young infants will give one special physical strength or cure disease. Haji Yan says it's a bizarre practice, just like the belief of eating the penis of actively mating seals or drinking the bile of strong bears that will help your libido. Mail business newspaper urged the Chinese government to crack down on producers of these human flesh capsules and impose heavy punishments. Chinese government says that they are actually investigating, but there's just a really short blurb that they're actually doing something like that. And then it also kind of, they're given some sort of justification to this, saying that it added that desperate cancer patients and construction workers from China undertake grueling work were the main customers in the South. A South Korean internet user commented, I'm trembling with shock that people who eat such stuff are my compatriots. It is hide hideous. It's absolutely disgusting. Expert, okay, so then there was this little blip in Wikipedia says that experts suggested that the pills had been made from newborn placenta for, you know, how people eat the placenta. I do not believe that at all. And then there's one more article that says that China is going to reinvestigate allegations. This was months later after that was written. Xinhua news agencies said that according to a statement from the Ministry of Health spokesman Deng Hua, Haiwa, an investigation launched in August found no proof that such capsules were being manufactured in China. And he was quoted as saying China would investigate again following new reports of such pills being smuggled into South Korea. Statement was not posted on the ministry's website and the calls to the ministry rang unanswered. Hmm. Where do you think they're getting these babies and fetuses from? We all know, we've talked about it, that Planned Parenthood sells sells parts for a high price to people on the black market. And we still give them grant money. All right, next is Epic Times article about the emergency use authorization in December 2021 and promoted by the FDA. Paxlovid is fast becoming the one-track drug for early COVID treatment. But don't get too excited. There Clinical trial, sponsored by Guess Who, Pfizer, revealed that those who took the drug were 89% less likely to develop severe symptoms than those who took the placebo. Those who took it also had lower quantities of the virus detected after five days of treatment. So these were impressive results, and the FDA made moves to promote the prescription of this. And I know a lot of people who got this when they ended up getting it. FDA made swift moves to promote this prescription, extending to pharmacists the authority to prescribe, okay? 
This raised concerns and disapproval from cl some clinicians. Although some laws and states allow pharmacists to prescribe a limited number of drugs, such as contraceptives and naloxone, prescribing medication is primarily the responsibility of doctors. Interventional cardiologist Dr. Jack Askins from Wichita Heart Center told the Times that it was unprecedented for pharmacists to be given authority to prescribe EUA medication. Physicians are familiar with their patients' medical histories, intolerances, allergies, and other medications the patient is taking and would be able to potentially avoid dangerous adverse effects from drug interactions. Although pharmacists can access medical records, pharmacists' access to patient information is not adequate for competent prescribing. The FDA, FDA has required pharmacists who prescribe it to have access to the medical history and a list of all the drugs the patient is taking. Physicians or pharmacists are taking on the role of physicians through their authority to prescribe. But Dr. Jack Askins wrote in his article published October 16, 2022, that he had never seen a drug with that many drug interactions and potential incompatibilities. Paxlovid can interact with at least 43 different classes of drugs and over 550 active drug ingredients. Some of these interactions can be severe and potentially dangerous. And that's why I'm sharing this, because if you are prescribed this, be mindful, ask your doctor, is it going to interact with anything I'm taking, either um, medicinally or recreationally? So according to the statement published by the FDA, it interacts with various drugs, including cardiovascular drugs, narcotics, antipsychotics, anticoagulants, and anti-HIV drugs, and many others. The contraindication list is significant because it means many patients with heart conditions, arrhythmias, high cholesterol, epilepsy, depression, and many other common disease in supposedly high-risk patients cannot take the game-changer medicine. A particularly paradoxical aspect of Paxlovid is that the clini clinical data shows it seems to work the best for older people. However, people over 50 are at most risk for drug interactions because they're likely to be taking lots of different drugs. In certain anticoagulants, the active ingredient apixaban, dabigatran, or rivaroboxaban, Paxlovid increases the risk of bleeding if used with it. And it also increases the effects of antipsychotics. It also enhances the effects of things like fentanyl. The FDA has recommended that patients either go off their usual medication or take it in conjunction with your other medications, depending on the severity of interactions. Jack Askins, Dr. Jack Askins, has become aware that some of his emergency department colleagues may prescribe, prescribe Paxlovid without adequate knowledge of the potentially dangerous drug contraindications. So be careful, people. Next is 17-year-old Gillette High School basketball player died unexpectedly in Campbell County. Max Sorensen suffered a medical event at his home and was pronounced deceased. Guess he's going to have an autopsy. It is not it's not a suicide nor is it a homicide. Illicit drugs don't appear to be the factor. Uh, investigation is suggesting more of a medical condition. Testing. Okay, I had to adjust something with my my microphone. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what happened. Next article for Stacy Socials is there is a non-exhaustive and continuously growing list of young athletes who have had major medical issues in 2021 and 2022 after receiving one or more of the vaccines. Initially, a lot of these weren't reported 
we were we know that many people were told not to tell anyone about their reactions and the media has not been reporting them it started ramping up after the first vaccinations and mainstream media still not reporting most but sports news cannot ignore the fact that many soccer players and other stars collapse in the middle of a game due to sudden cardiac arrest the list has over 600 or i'm sorry the list has over 1600 athletes who have dropped dead suspectedly from the vaccine and another exhaustive list of those possibly linked and then a short list of those totally unrelated there are updated numbers being added to this article as it develops. Check out the link. There are many countries or states with large populations that have almost no reports on this list, and that means events are not even being reported. True death and injury numbers are likely to be much higher than what we list here. An American lawyer, Thomas Rent, says that the U.S. military's Defense Medical Epidemiology Database shows that in the first 10 months of 2021 that all-cause morbidity increased 11 times. So that's... 1100% against previous year. He has information from DOD whistleblowers and the DOD is reportedly actively deleting data from the database, possibly to cover up this genocide that's been perpetrated on the military. He also expects the numbers from 2022 to be up by 5,000%, 50 times the previous year. Keep an eye on that guys. Ed Dowd, author of Cause Unknown, has a conversation with the natural news guy, I can't think of his name, <laughs> sorry guy, <laughs> that there are about 2,500 excess deaths and 5,000 excess disability victims due to COVID-19 vaccines. This means on average, about 7,500 Americans are removed from the potential labor pool each day. Granted, not all 7,500 are working, but most of them theore theoretically could contribute to the workforce. As we look at the macroeconomic implications of this daily removal from all these people, what, this, what does this mean for America's economy and military security? And then look at Southwest Airlines' sudden collapse on their flight schedule. What's going on there? Is it IT systems and years of neglect? Or is it because the pilots are not well or they're dropping like flies? Ed Dowd reveals the vaccine did the most damage among those who were employed. 2021 was a dangerous year to have a job, it turns out. The Biden administration forced employers across the country to mandate vaccines for all their workers. Many workers complied, but some have died and become disabled as a result. We are not having just an economic recession or depression, but a possible decivilization outcome. Ed Dowd calls this the glacial Mad Max scenario. He says that it's going to get very bad, but not all at once. It's a slow, steady erosion of the pillars of civilization. And it will become more and more apparent over time as another 2.7 million people are killed or disabled by this thing. It will become significantly worse for those who continue to take it. And I just saw a news article on the, the local news, I think at NBC channel, that they're rolling out a new vaccine that's just a particular strain and that everybody's going to be getting the same cocktail and that whether or not you're on your fifth or your first you're going to get this one that's kind of concerning to me because some people didn't have any ill effects while others either had severe neurological disorder happen or they died dowd declares that globalization is over and the era of cheap and easy stuff is coming to an end. The, once we, the world we once knew, when we can visit the grocery store or Target to pick up foreign-made goods on the cheap, is over. From here, things are going to get a lot more expensive and less available. 
rather than a global expansion into a long, complex supply, supply chains and economies of scale, we're living through the early stages of a global contraction and the collapse of globalism itself. This might be a good time to start bringing production back to America. Article says part of the def definition of a nation is the ability to project power for the purposes of both defending your own shores and also extracting resources from other nations via trade, coercion, or whatever. This has been accomplished throughout history under various empires, such as the British Empire and the U.S. Empire mastered the art of global resources extraction with its 1944 Bretton Woods Agreement and the positioning of the dollar as the world reserve currency. But to project power, a nation must maintain a degree of domestic industrialization so it can manufacture munitions and weapons of war. This requires a complex supply chain of steel, polymers, oil, rubber, electronics, etc. And most importantly, it requires the skilled and willing labor force that's able to do work these factories. In the USA, the productive lab labor force is being decimated by this jab. Culture wars have also sapped any last shred of work ethic out of the youth, rendering a generation of virtue, sig <laughs> virtue signaling snowflakes who are incapable of using their hands to do anything other than play video games and masturbate. The DOD plans to recruit illegals to run munitions factories, and maybe that's why AOC wants to lessen restrictions on immigration. Here we go. The end result is basically the economic, military, and demographic collapse of the U.S., which is the top goal of one world government globalist types who has long regarded the USA and the Constitution as a thorn in the side of global domination. Where do we go from here, folks? Where do we go from here? Share the show. Write some reviews. Give me five stars. Do all the things. Follow me on all the socials. There's a Telegram invite link below. You can find me on Patreon. There's InwardSurvival.com if you're interested in the nonprofit. You can find me at at Stacy Fringe. That's my Twitter handle for the show. It needs more followers. Go give it a go. Otherwise, in the show notes, all of my social medias are linked. Check it out. You might want to check out Endless Endeavor podcast with Greg Anderson. I do appear on one of the latest episodes. It's a great interview. Well, I guess it's more of a conversation. We just kind of get to know each other and we talk all kinds of stuff. Go give it a go. And then Forbidden Clothes, we have a promo code FRINGE if you want to buy some threads that tells that one world government globalist bullshit to tell them to fuck right off with their bullshit. Go check that out. Promo code FRINGE. It's linked below if you want to go check out their t-shirts and sweatshirts. They got some good stuff. Also, there's a mailbag here, and I'm always looking for stories or experiences, or if you want to come on the show for an interview or a conversation, it's fringe with benefits at protonmail.com. Three, two, one, record. Hey, everyone. We're back into the river with Fringe with Benefits, Ashley, Joe, and Stacy. And it's been a while. How have you been? <laughs> I think <laughs> it's been crazy. It has been so long. When is the last time you guys or you and I even did an episode? It had to have been before the holidays. What October, November, maybe even before then? 
Maybe. Yeah. I took a huge break and then I started doing this series and my time was all consumed with this cult and I'm finally coming back into myself. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. I'm glad you're back. I've been watching all of that unfold and I have to give you major kudos for doing your expose series because from the outside looking in, like I never got super involved with the Tori says thing, but I was watching. I mean, at the beginning, she had a lot of really incredible information you're like who's this bitch she's you know she's on the inside (laughs) she's a whistleblower there's all this mystery and she seems to be helping and trying to um, fix all this and remediate things but then you know watching you know I didn't know about the rooms (laughs) or any of that stuff or this huge cult following yeah I figured she had a following but I didn't know stuff was being organized, but then, you know, being sabotaged all at the same time. So I'm I'm watching this. I'm like, holy shit. And, you know, she seems like she could be a very dangerous person to our movement and to the changes that we need to see take place. I think so, for sure. And the more that I learn, I have all these whistleblowers telling me things that they're involved in looking into. And um, it's it's really bad. It's way worse than I thought. And I'm like, not able to talk about any of it. But I really do hope that it's coming to light. At this point, it's good because we can have her kind of like, stuck behind a paywall. And um, <laughs> it's like, I, I watch her running a little bit. And that's good. Because, you know, I'm I'm one of those don't get mad, get even. And I, I'm like, it was a personal thing for me. You know, I mean, it's like anything you give three years to your life, mm-hmm. of your life to something, and then you realize that you were lied to the whole time it'd be the same if it was like an ex or a divorce you know and find out they're cheating on you or they're like spying on your phone or whatever it's just kind of like so I don't know how long I'll be in this but um I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying um the exit process because it's it's a little revenge happening and um I guess that just happened so what's been going on with you so for my new uh, newish listeners Stacey has been on Naked and Afraid (laughs) twice and second time, I don't want to spoil it, but made it all the way to the end. You got injured the first time. You want to fill them in a little bit on your stories? Like- yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, okay, so in 2015, I was working at this bar called the River Clan Saloon in Stites, Idaho. Beautiful river ranch where you can you can fish, you can drink whatever you want to do get married there's this beautiful suspension bridge that goes over the river it's totally picturesque and I'm just raising my kids going to school barely making enough money to survive um and I'm on shift bartending at this cool place and they got a call from the discovery channel because one of the owners just so happens to be this badass Vietnam war vet who's done some incredible things he runs a survival academy out of there And they were looking for women that wanted to participate in the challenge because wouldn't you know, it's kind of hard to get ladies to want to do that. So (laughs) they wanted a chick from Idaho. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. I could, I could finish that. You know, I'm probably one of the only survivalists that initially did it for money. So within a few months, I was on my way to Croatia and participated in my 21 day challenge. And I was burned on day six. Um, I was set to finish this freaking thing and I was burned. So I'm kind of famous for having that pot of boiling water fall on me. And it, it was pretty excruciating, but not so much. I don't know if you get injured in the moment, you're 
shock sets in and so you don't feel anything until later so <laughs> um i healed up from that well of course they pulled me from the challenge but i i got a name for myself because i decided that i was going to stay even though i was burned and i said fuck no you're going to have to drag me out of here because that's what my mentor told me to do he's like don't ever don't ever tap you know so they had to drag me out of there basically i, I was at risk of possibly getting gangrene and losing my entire leg because I Ugh. burned over 10% of my body. It was pretty ugly. And I, you know, it kind of, it panned out. It was like, it was kind of meant to be and things happened the way that they happened. So other opportunities for me to show my grit presented themselves. And six months later, after I'm all healed up and cleared from the doctor, they come at me and they say, we want you to participate in a 40-day challenge. Now, this is um, Naked and Afraid XL, and this was the second season, so they'd only done it once before. The first time was in Colombia. This was going to be the first time they were going to do it in South Africa. What makes it XL? XL is 40 days, and there's many survivalists. So instead of the man and the woman on the 21-day challenge, on this one, there's six men and six women. And you have to, you know, make your way through the challenge through the 40 days, um, usually in smaller groups. And then through the course of that, you'll move together towards your extraction. Um, so I kind of felt like I didn't deserve to be there. I was the first person to finish a 40 day challenge after not completing my 21 day challenge, because all of these people had finished their 21 day challenge. And I didn't kind of feel, I felt like I didn't deserve to be there. Um, so I had, I had something to prove for sure. But also I had felt the defeat and the shame of not completing my first challenge with my friends and family, even though it didn't even come out on TV yet. I, I knew about it and the people closest to me knew about it. And then my dad got sick and he died two weeks before I flew out to Africa. And that was huge for me to watch him completely deteriorate from lung and stomach cancer. And and so I was like, I got to do this for him. It was like one of his favorite shows. He loved it. And he he didn't really believe in me. I mean, he made jokes, you know, how, you know, your parents can be bullies or your siblings could be bullies. He said, you're not going to make it a week the first time. And I did it. I fucking didn't, dude. I didn't make it into the second week well almost pretty much kind of but not really so he called it and um so when I told him I was going again he was in the hospital being treated with chemo and and he says to me he's all I'm really proud of you watch out for snakes and the cape buffalo is the most dangerous animal on the planet <laughs> is what he says <laughs> random me. knowledge did you see any while you're there yes Yes. Ooh. And that's another kind of crazy story that we had because we could have died one night. Um, the Cape Buffalo, you're not supposed to like, you know how you're supposed to make yourself big and make noise to scare away big animals? Well, you can't do that with those or moose. And that's why the moose is the most dangerous on this continent. But the, the Cape Buffalo, if you're clapping your hands, it's going to fucking stampede you. Mm -hmm. um, so one night we had this ridiculous boma. And it, the boma is, I have to explain this, you have to cut down a bunch of trees and thorn bushes to create this wall around you well, so you, nothing snatches you when you're sleeping. So we had this ridiculous boma. It was not high enough. It was not safe enough. And one night it's pitch black. Of course, it's just us out there and the infrared cameras. And we heard something. We're like, shit, is that a fucking lion? Is that a, a, a leopard? 
So we all get up and we're like, wow, and we're like waving our arms and clapping our hands and screaming. And the next morning, they were like, you guys almost died because they reviewed the footage and it was a fucking herd of Cape Buffalo that had surrounded her boma. <laughs> it was a bunch of them that didn't make it off of the editing floor, but that was one of the crazy things. So yeah, I made it. Spoiler alert. I mean, shit, it was like six years ago. We're coming up on seven years. It's been since I've I've done a challenge. Um, and they ask me every year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it was a, it was a really beautiful and miraculous experience. And anytime anybody has a chance to challenge themselves beyond what they think that they're capable of, they will surprise themselves if they're willing to put in the work. I think that's what matters. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, I love it. I, I ended up, well, we met um, through the truth community. I think we met on Instagram because we were both telling the truth and very fiercely coming out in 2020. And um, we met that way as I met a lot of people. And um, then I went and bought both seasons so I could watch like before <laughs> our first podcast. And I'm like, this girl's a badass. So how do you feel like that experience, both of those experiences changed you as a person? Like, do you think it's been a lasting effect in your life? Absolutely. I I think that it showed me what I'm capable of if I put my mind to it and how much potential I have within myself and that I'm not, um, you know, all the self-defamation we project onto ourselves about, you know, you're a loser, you haven't completed anything, you know, because I, I was a single mom, barely making any money, just trudging my way through school, and I really wanted to complete my degree and get in shape and just take care of myself. And I guess life's just like this long journey of getting to know yourself. And so when I allowed myself that opportunity to do that, um, it just made me feel like I had purpose and I accomplished something. And, um, and that when we put ourselves in positions that make us extremely uncomfortable, that's where the growth happens. And yep. yeah, so I think you Absolutely. know all about that. <laughs> I definitely know all about that. It definitely um, pushing into fears is a really powerful thing. And I feel like I'm ready to do that in a bigger way in life. I feel like a rubber band that's just been held back since 2020 with this whole um just everything. One of the things I've been realizing lately is how much fear actually controlled my mind. And I didn't think it did. I was like, Oh, well, I see the truth and everyone else is afraid. And it's like, as I'm going back and unpacking all of this stuff and going through the process, I'm realizing like the part I played in, I could have been better. You know what I mean? Like I get it. And I forgive myself. I was just reacting to this craziness in the world, but I'm also like, I I felt like everyone else needed to see what I saw or I couldn't find rest. And yeah, I wanted to protect people and warn people, but also I can look back and see how I pushed people away. And um, I'm not even saying that I'm not capable of doing that now. I think just having that human moment, that human response of like everything is shattering around me. And um, I feel like I'm returning to life, but I also know that I'm not there yet because it's, it's taken a toll. Like, how do you feel like if we are three years in this thing now, this crazy life shift, um, where's your head at as of late? As of late? Well, I I've stepped away from fringe with benefits a little bit. I stopped booking, um, interviews with people. I just kind of 
stopped paying attention to a lot of the the stuff because for my own health, I just needed to focus on what was right in front of me. And the number one thing that I feel is the most important thing is my health and my fitness and um, working on that. And then making sure I'm loving the people around me. Mm-hmm. I'm also really big on um, local not so much activism, but volunteer work or just being present for, you know, um, the community around me and being willing to give of myself and talk to other people and see kind of where they're at. Because I too drove people away. Um, I still have to kind of taper down. And that was why I started my podcast. So I had an outlet outside of my household because a lot of people just look at you like, oh man, you're obsessed, you're paranoid, you're this, you're that. And in actuality, just like you, I just wanted to scream from the hilltops, everybody look out, look out, because something is coming our way. And I'm going to blame you motherfuckers if you're not paying attention to what happens. And and that's basically what I've been doing <laughs> for the past couple of years is just like, you guys did this, Look at, look around us, and let's not let this happen again. Let's um, let's grow from here. That was an awful thing to do. But there's so many people, or maybe there's less than I think, that are still in that mindset of everything is okay and it's moving right along properly. It's really not. There's so many components of everything right now. What We live in, in an illusory freedom. It's not a true freedom. Of course, freedom's all in our own minds um, because we can choose to be miserable or not. But in actuality, we are having things taken from us that we previously had before. And we must protect the Constitution because that's what gave us the gift that we all technically should have. Like, there needs to be some big movement towards this overtaxation that we're in. And the taking away of our Second Amendment, um, people shout out, they're not taking away our guns, but no, they actually are. They're making small little um, moves to further inhibit. They do it in small steps. And that's what people need to realize is that it's small incremental steps over the course of a long period of time. And then before you know it, we're there. We're in a, a communist society. So I think everybody needs to watch out for the ESG stuff that's coming down with all the banking and uh, the sustainability, all those little buzzwords about climate change. That's we really need to be paying attention to that. Um, Anything else that stifles our speech, um, the misinformation, disinformation bills that are coming down where they're labeling American citizens domestic terrorists because they don't believe the official narrative on things it's it's wild and so there's an element of me that's like yeah let's let's take care of ourselves and let's remain happy but at the same time we we need to have boots on the ground and don't allow people to step all over us anymore so i guess being assertive and not aggressive (laughs) i don't know it's finding balance for sure it's like there's it's i think that there's a thing that happens that I'm going through, which is like, I'm needing to remove big time from it. I'm still seeing a little here and there. I'm still passing on the things that I think might help people to see, 
Um, because I think it's their strength in numbers and the more people wake up to it, um, Mm -hmm. which is becoming glaringly obvious, I think, to a lot of people right now, whether it's hitting their, their pocketbooks or, you know, their children or whatever. And a lot of the stuff coming out about the, um, the shot, you know, like all of the data is kind of coming back around and now we're in this place of, um, I don't know where it is more obvious, but then there's a part of me that's like trying to figure out the avenue to fix it and like what my part is. And I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's like, I've been misled for so long that I was doing something that I wasn't really actually helping, but I got the feeling that I was. And so now I'm kind of like taking a big reset moment of step back. And then also, like you said, worrying about or focusing on health and um, some of the things I've neglected in my life, because I do believe that like, us unhealthy is no good for the world. Correct. You know? And so it's like a building back up of myself and kind of fixing my brain, which has just been really heavily unbalanced in the wrong direction. And I know that the answers will come around. I just don't know what they are because it does feel daunting Mm -hmm. um, all the time. I'm just kind of, but then I have this weird faith in humanity. Like, yes, it's going to be really difficult for a while and we're going to be you know, suffering on a level because of these horrible politicians or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm almost like, I think there's a point where they won't be able to go. Yeah. Like that people are going to say enough. I see people just kind of getting over it who actually didn't think like me before. And, um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's difficult because if you escape too much from it, you become someone who, doesn't care anymore. And we do have to care. I think it's just about finding that balance and it's a daily struggle. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, your expose, your mom's amazing by the way. And isn't she? yeah, she's really cool. And everybody that came on and talked about their experience, it was very enlightening. Um, and I understand why you're angry. In fact, your anger is completely justified do you think that this, do you think that her motive changed over the course of these last few years due to whatever circumstances? Do you think that she was initially trying to help or do you think that maybe she was some sort of shill? That's honestly a good question. And a lot of us have been trying to figure that out because we're unpacking this and we're, you know, I don't know. A lot of things come to mind because when she initially started, there was a very different energy Mm -hmm. and there was a point where something shifted and she became this person that she is now. And I don't know if she was always that person. I do think there's an element of all these people who sucked us in had to come out with their best face forward. They wouldn't have had a following if they didn't offer us something, you Mm -hmm. know? So what we bought into originally was something very appealing. But now when I, it's weird because when I go back and listen to the older episodes, every once in a while, I'll remember something and I'll want to go look for it. And luckily it's all archived. Uh, I'll go find something. And then when I hear it now at the time, I was like enamored. And now when I hear it, I still hear liar. Yeah. And she's been lying all along. There's just a part of it where I wasn't able to hear it. And I think right now we're seeing the worst side of her because there's clearly some kind of tension going on in the influencer world or some appearance of tension. I feel, I don't know if you've noticed that, like everyone's kind of like fighting and at each other and 
Have you seen any of that going on? Yeah, the last, I don't know, probably year or so, several months, I've been seeing people, it's it's like they're bored with the cause and they're attacking each other because of what one other person thinks, whether it's whatever, you know, how they feel about Trump or how they feel about what what shape the earth is. (laughs) I mean, all these really stupid um, religion, lack of religion, all of those things. It's like people are at each other's throats. Oh, yeah, you're wrong you're you know it's so stupid it's all this bullshit infighting and i'm just kind of like you guys it's like i feel now that they're all one nothing's changed in three years so anyone they're probably losing followers on a massive level i'm sure people are just you know tired Mm -hmm. tired of following these people it's all just drama and hit pieces and opinion pieces about things that don't matter things i could look at and make my own so i don't we don't need them anymore and i think a lot of people are realizing so it feels to me like when they do these drama moments, they're just attempting to bring us and suck us into it. Now it's almost like a reality TV mm-hmm. show. Like I call it the great war of the influencers. <laughs> because it's like, And like yesterday, Tori's like, I'm dropping some big article. And like, I never read her articles because they just, um, she's not a good writer. And it's very hokey the way she has her website. There's like a million ads. And um, so I go and like read this article that dropped and it's all about Boris Epstein from um oh he's on steve bannon's show okay and it's just a big hit piece about him and it's like she's accusing him of i think it was working with brennan which she claims that she worked with brennan but that makes him bad and somehow she's okay and i'm just reading all of this nonsense just kind of like this was the big thing you were dropping like how does this affect anyone's life yeah how does this and i just feel like it's all drama and Mm -hmm. um it's become a really bad B movie at this point and none of them are offering anything of substance and I'm just I think it's good that people are waking up to that um now that we've had three years of being in it to kind of wrap our heads around what's going on in our world um I think a lot of people are like kind of over it good yeah no that's I hope good. so yeah. I hope so I mean you still see the cult followers and I feel really bad for them because I it just like for an example yesterday she drops an article and then it, she said she was dropping it at 1500 Pacific. Well, nothing was dropped. And then her little, her little sidekick admins were like, people were like, where's the article? And they're like, she already dropped it. It's on true social. It's, and then they link this post that it's just a post on true social. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not smart enough to realize that was the article. And I'm thinking <laughs> a true social post is not an article. Well, then she drops the article later. And this is the kind of thing that happens. Like these people are so like, I gotta love them. I was there too. They're so like brainwashed to the point where they apologize when something doesn't make sense, even though they're right, their instincts are right, right mm-hmm. away. And that's just, I think that's part of the reason I keep going. Um, As much as I'd love to see uh, her fall flat on her face. And if she's done illegal things, I would love to see her um, face yeah. some kind of charges for that. It's really about the people. It's really about the truth. And well- um what kind of blows my mind is anybody who's ever worked for the government or legitimately came out and whistleblowed to the level that she has, has been taken out. So how is she still able to have this platform? Who's helping her? And right. um, how come, you know, if she really was that to that level, why didn't they kill her or make her disappear? Or exactly. Maybe and that's that the thing. Her. Well, and she she admitted on a on a show. I don't even remember which show. At one point, um, I heard her admit that she wasn't actually a recognized whistleblower. And I'm like, hmm? 
I don't even know. Yeah, she had to admit it. She's like, because I don't have protection. I'm not a recognized or a, an actual whistleblower. I'm like, I just think everything she says is bullshit. Yeah. And um, man, I found out recently that uh, she calls herself a time traveler. And someone was like, this is how she quote time travels. And there was proof of her going back to her articles and editing them to keep up with the news. Holy shit. Yeah. And so I was like, it's all smokes and smoke and mirrors and trickery and yeah um but anyway it's good to see it and I'm just like how did I not see it all this time and I'm really just hoping that I don't fall for something like this again because you never know like anyway well we need good leaders you know yeah. and if somebody's willing to step up it's it's nice to to you know to see it and to follow it and to but yeah what a fucking shit show dude That's yeah crazy. and i think that's i think it's across the board um i've been really enjoying unfollowing people on instagram right now like when i see turning point usa i'm like unfollow like i'm now just when they pop up because i'm just like i don't care i don't mm-hmm. care anymore um i do like to see what's going on in the news mm-hmm. you know what i mean like um a little bit here and there and make my own judgments but i'm like i've like we had someone coming in recently like giving us this big Flynn plan and I'm like well what's the plan and they couldn't really describe it and I'm just kind of like if I can't tangibly do something with it that has a result sounds like a waste of time yeah that's just where I am right now and I don't know what it is like so as far as like you said local stuff are you what's your focus or do you have one right now are you taking a break because I know you've been involved a lot locally well I've been kind of um I'm doing stuff related to my job So I'm in real estate and I do like business after hours or um, I just got my library card renewed and I'm staying, I'm going to join a book club, Um, just making points of contact to where you can make more friends and kind of see where they're at. I went to this um, Grace Harbor Young Professionals meeting and I get there and all these people are like in their 20s. I'm like, God, I'm too old for this, but they were all really nice. And we were talking about, because everybody's still kind of in the the post-pandemic, plandemic thing. And when you bring it up or you say before or after the whole COVID thing, the response is overwhelmingly like, yeah, that was bullshit. I hated the masks. I, I, you know, probably put their nose up at the vaccine too. And if they didn't, they're, they're hoping, they're wishing that they did. Um, so it, I like to get out there and kind of see where people are at and see what they're talking about and network and make friends to where you learn to trust each other, learn to rely on each other. I also subscribe to, um, Informed Choice Washington, and that's a nonprofit who's going against legislation uh, for the vaccine or putting it on the school schedule and trying to inform people about, the dangers of this and and what's going on there and the legislation that's being passed that's in violation of of our U.S. Constitution because Washington's in a bad way just like California is everything California does Washington is close behind or if they haven't already done it so informedchoicewashington.org and um and then also staying because I live pretty close to the capital of Washington. Anytime they have any kind of events or a call to action to to bring um, information to legislators, I I know when that is, and I at least put it on my calendar. I don't always go, but I try to. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Networking number one, 
trying to talk to people. Um, I was doing the school board meetings when my kid was still in public school. That was wild. That whole thing. Um, I ha- I still have a hard time taking my kid to the doctor because of the whole the mask thing. And yesterday I had a weird experience that, of course, you know, I feel like I'm muzzling myself, but I'm homeschooling my kid now. And the doctor was asking me all kinds of questions like, you know, what kind of curriculum do you use? How many hours a day is she is she studying? And she was kind of coming back at me with some judgments. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then, of course, you know, my kid's almost 16. So the doctor will ask me to leave the room so they can talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, But it's difficult for me because of all of those things. And then on top of that, here's here's some personal truth bomb is um, in 2019, my daughter, she was probably about 12 or 13. Um, she came out at school as being um, LGBTQ, right? And changed mm-hmm. her gender to male and changed her name. And the school didn't tell me. They were just doing this, this affirmative care thing with her. And so when I found out, of course, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? But this is all pre everyone talking about it. So I was like super alone. I'm like, what's going on? So I went to the doctor. The doctor advised me to go to Seattle Children's Hospital gender clinic. And I went there and I took my daughter there and they wanted to put her on testosterone and start her on all this stuff. Right. And I bought my homework. She was like 13. What the? Yeah. So this was three or four years ago. And of course I did my homework and I read up on all, what testosterone does to the bodies of young ladies. I was on top of Abigail Schreier because my boyfriend told me she was on Joe Rogan. God bless Joe Rogan for having her on to talk about irreversible damage, her book, because I think it gave parents a, a heads up as to what's been coming down the pike. And um, so I, I had a rebuttal for the doctors and I, I stood up for my kid. I'm like, no, you're not giving her any of that stuff. You're not doing any of that. And that was when I was like, fuck this. I pulled her out of school and everything changed. I mean, she's doing a lot better, but I still, where this leads is when I go to the doctor, they still ask for this boy's name when they call my phone. And I've had to correct them multiple times. And they were all like stammering in the appointment yesterday. um, Like, what pronouns do you use? And my kid, I let her answer because she's becoming a young adult And she says, well, I don't care, you know. So they were using she, her because I'm using she, her because she's a young woman. And luckily, my daughter's not doing the things. But I'm telling you, social media, the schools, the doctors are all pushing. Oh, if you feel like what you are not, go, you know. Let me help you become this. And and they're pushing all these pharmaceuticals. They're pushing these radical surgeries. And if a parent who is just, you know, loving and doesn't see beyond what, you know, you know your kid, you know. So I've been going through that, too. So not only does the COVID thing bother me, but this uh, trans agenda lunacy. It's fucking lunacy. And I'm. I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. And when you talk to people, you realize that they're not really on board with it either. So why is this happening? You know? So I think the only thing I'm really staying on top of is um, trans women or men 
biological men using female facilities, I would lose my fucking mind on somebody if I saw a naked man walk past me and I'm in the shower or my daughter's in the shower. We it's absolutely disgusting. What's yeah. going on right now is erasing women. And it's, um, I'm like you, uh, I was never big into the politics stuff, but, uh, the children and the trans issue is really important to me, especially like, because I was such a huge part of the LGBT community. Um, like that was so much of my life and most of my friends. So when I started seeing what was going on under the surface, I became very vocal about that. I'm really passionate about that. And that's one of the things I can't escape. Um, I'm going to link that Rogan episode below. And I'm sorry that you went up through all of that. Like, I don't even, that's crazy that they were grooming. And I think that they've always been grooming. I think that we just all became aware of it recently. And mm-hmm. thank God, because look at CRT and, Mm-hmm. All the things we weren't aware of until parents started going to the school boards, until the Zoom classes started happening, and people were like, wait a second, what are they teaching? So I'm grateful that that's happening, but um, that's one that's so near and dear to my heart. I listened to, I don't know, have you heard the D-Trans Jordan Peterson episode recently with Chloe Cole? I do know who she is, but I have not seen Wow. That. It is one of the best interviews I've ever heard in my life. And you, you see a different Jordan. He steps more into like his profession. You can oh. tell he's like, it's almost like a therapy session. It's an interview, but he gives her so much more. Uh, you can tell he's really sensitive to what she experienced. And she talks about how her body will never be the same. Yeah. And I mean, this all happened in her teens and it is so heartbreaking to hear what they're actually doing. This is child genital mutilation it makes me want to cry every time I think about it because I mean she even said like her nipples they put back in a different place and now they're like black because there's like dead skin and I'm just like can you imagine she can never breastfeed again um just I don't know that's that's really that's that's really near and dear you should link that one too I will I'm gonna link both of those because that's that's where my heart when I like step back from everything yeah I know the voting machines yeah I know you know the protocols with the stupid virus stuff um but my heart really is with the indoctrination of children and also protecting women. And it's almost, I think you and I might've discussed this. I've definitely talked about it before, how there's like a new wave of our necessity for feminism. And it's more to protect women's faces. It's like, because we need to now, like mm-hmm. I just saw some, some man who raped a couple women um, right after he was charged, identified as a woman. And now he's getting sent into a women's prison. And um, it's completely unacceptable that this is happening. Um, I feel like there's a hatred for women mm-hmm. that is really intense and you see all the pageant, like, the, uh, you know, trans, yeah. trans woman pageant, like she was giving this speech about, um, women are taking back the pageant. I'm like, the irony You're here, a man, the mockery. <laughs> Did you see the, the statue that just went up in favor, uh, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No. I believe it was in New York. Look it up. She's got, so it's a like a golden statue of a woman with like a snake for feet. It's like this weird, it looks like snake coming out of blood. She has no arms, these spirally things. And then her hair is these braids of um like the Baphomet. Mm. And is it, what's the goat with this? Like a ram? Yeah. What is that in symbolism? Oh. There's like yeah it it's yeah it's a ba- baphomet head or um yeah and the, i think it's in 
New York, I can't remember, but it's up on a building yeah. overlooking. And I'm just like, I'm seeing all this happen. And I know it's the cult. I know it's this mm-hmm. cult celebrating. It's like the death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, so that stuff, um, I'm really hoping we get to see a collapse of because it's a de- deterioration of young girls. It's getting in their heads. You know, we saw with the transitioners, um, 4,000% of girls, uh, it's like we've seen a 4,000% spike in girls who are transitioning. So young girls, we already know are susceptible. And I've talked about this a bunch on the podcast. People should listen to my book angel interview and my, um, identity crisis episode, but yeah, Buck's I awesome. It was so per- Buck's awesome. And also he, um, I don't know. Do you know who Mina Caputo is? No, but she is a trans female and, um, incredible person buck had her on and i reached out to her this week and she's going to come on the show because uh she's been very outspoken and for women and for Mm -hmm. girls and against the community and i'm so excited to have her on because this is one of the things i can't shake yeah because it's disgusting to me it's crazy it's absolutely nuts destroying people's (laughs) lives destroying children's lives I mean, what was I doing at 13? I I wanted to be a chola, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be, man, I I would have given my left nut if I had one to be a Mexican chola. I always wanted to be a girl because I love boys, but... No, when I was, yeah, when I was um, 11, 12, 13, I, I mean, my whole childhood, I was pretty much a major tomboy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rip bows off things. I wanted to wear all black. It was just always me. And I'm like thankful that I was never around during this time. And my parents um, were sane, but I can't imagine. Cause I, once I started like developing, I was so ashamed of my body and I don't even know why it was just like going through puberty is uncomfortable. And you're like, oh no, things are changing. And I don't like these changes because you still feel like a kid, but mm-hmm. then you're watching your body become adult. And I remember like, I would bind almost, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And cause I was ashamed that I had any kind of female parts. And, um, and if I would have been around in this time, who knows what yeah. I would have, I mean, it's just, and I love that there's some like really amazing late lesbians and gays out there saying, protect the, um, protect the tomboys. Mm-hmm. Like I was a tomboy. (laughs) That doesn't mean I was a boy. And no, that that's a very heartbreaking thing that's happened. I don't know. I just think there's this, I'm finding balance and I want to go where my heart leads. And I think that a lot of people have felt panic and we're looking at the big politics stuff. Like these people, they're so out of reach for us. You know, Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi and even Donald Trump or Joe Biden, like these figures are doing what they're going to do. But locally, how can we make change? And I did want to say on that local front, yesterday, I find out that Shasta County, California has moved to all paper ballots. It's the only county in my state. And I'm like, what happened there? Because something led to that. That's great. It's so great, especially in California, because we have been trying and trying and trying. And I don't know who had a part in it, but I am at a point now where I'm thinking, okay, we've been misled down these roads that go nowhere. So now for those of us who do want to do some small part, I think it's a really good idea to look in the news, local Mm -hmm. news in different states, especially your own, to see what changes have been made and then try to replicate it. Because it's Mm -hmm. almost like a precedent was sent. 
in Shasta. And I'm like, this could change my state. So I think that that's important to look at who's getting things right. Whereas like the community I just came from was constantly saying, we're the only ones getting it right. Never, ever engage with these people versus what you're doing. You're networking, you're meeting people locally. Um, It's like a paradigm shift. Stop viewing everyone as bad and find what's working. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I called my assessor or actually, no, I sent him an email and my county assessor. And I said, how do we change the voting protocol here? Why can't we have polling places and go back to paper ballots? He called me right back. Yeah. And he was on the road and he's like, you know, I'm not able to answer your email, but I would like to, you know, let you know. So he educated me that, you know, in the um, early 2000s, they got rid of all all polling places and ballots. There was only one county in the state of Washington that was still having people and their turnout wasn't that good because everybody wanted absentee ballots. So they literally changed the law. They put forth legislation. So everything is absentee ballot in the state of Washington. And I asked him, you know, how do we change this? And he said, you would literally have to submit a law to the legislators and get everybody to vote or actually put that put it have them put the bill forward and then get people to vote but people don't want it and so it was just i guess that's one thing that people can do is even if we can't enact change right away educate yourself on how it works so you can do that yeah and you know be with your community and talk about these things because it affects all of us Absolutely. I feel like I have to go back and learn how local government works. Yeah, me too. I have no idea. I feel yeah. really ignorant about it. And that's okay. I mean, it's a starting point and I'm just kind of like back to the basics, back to the grassroots. You know, I just miss like when I went in 2020, when we first came out, didn't you feel like for the first time ever, you're like researching hard evidence. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when no one was in your ear, I remember the thrill of digging just kind of on my own before I found a community. I was before I even found the Instagram community. I was just kind of like going and looking for myself. And I learned how difficult it was to navigate things like the CDC website. Like they make mm-hmm. it so hard. They put their propaganda in the front. And then once I was like, how did they get that data? Because I didn't want to put anything out that I didn't understand. So then I realized how to research, how to dig. And I, I remember it was all there. And I never really did that with my government, but I want to. I would like to go back and do a little bit more of that because I don't want to not be involved. It's just when you're following someone's direction and you can't explain why you're doing it, I think that's a problem, especially if that person is misleading you. Like, what are you actually doing? And it's like, I want to know that it's right. I want to get my feet planted firmly on the ground again and talk to some people as well, like you said, who know how these things work, like that girl, Kathleen, that I had on. Mm -hmm. She gave me so much hope by simplifying things yeah just like she was like it's not big government and then us it's like we are the majority our local communities are important and I was like oh why didn't I just focus on my backyard this whole time (laughs) it seems so simple I'm just looking at all this drama between influencers and politicians and like I can't control any of that yeah I will because it's so big at the top you know all the problems that we have and all the ways that we're being poisoned our minds our bodies everything and it's coming at us from all angles so we really have to make small goals and stay goal oriented 
and just chip away at the the smaller stuff around us, like on the local level and see what we can do there. Things will change if we as individual units do a little bit each day in our own lives. It will it will affect the whole eventually. But yeah, dude. So um, I'm starting up interviews. This is all you'll be my next. This will be my next interview on my podcast. But I I sent an email to David Ike's media people to see if, <laughs> and they want to know like what your how big your platform is, where your your podcast is, and all that stuff. And so I had to literally say, you know, I don't have a big listenership. It's very very small. I'm not doing anything extra. And I even had to say, I don't have any money. So I'm, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to do it for free. Um, and just tried to explain to him, but that's kind of, people need to take those damn risks because who knows, you know, yeah. he might reject me, but I need to be willing to put myself out there for that rejection and kind of see, and then go back at it later. But wouldn't it be awesome if I got to talk to him? Yes, let's manifest this. Like, you'll never know if you don't ask. Hey, Buck Angel is a big deal for me. He's been on Joe Rogan, you know, Jim Brewer. You got Jim Brewer. I got Jim Brewer. I didn't wear my headphones like a dummy and audio sucks, but I, I got to talk to Jim Brewer. Like, you never know unless you ask. David Icke is so incredible. He's one of the few people that, like, um, I just really appreciate whenever he talks during he's this so whole amazing. thing yeah he really is and he's been around doing this for decades and you know that his heart is good because he he really does care about people and the fact that they're kicking him out of all these countries can you believe he's he cannot leave his country now that's so yeah we need to listen truth. to what he's saying if they're trying to stop him it's it's the people that they're trying to stop or they're the ones that they're trying to damage so people don't listen. Those are the ones we need to listen to. And I kind of yeah. hate to say it when that Andrew Tate thing fucking flew off. It really made me step back. Like, I don't want to like the guy. He's a douche. But it made me step back and be like, why are they after him so bad? What yeah. is he doing that, you know, it's just it's it's one of those things. It's very discombobulating. More shall be revealed once you start to pay attention to how we've been tricked in the past. You, It feels like I can't trust anything anybody says. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I, uh, I also wanted to ask about Greg Anderson. So oh, he's awesome. if everyone doesn't remember Greg Anderson, he was a really big part of the wake up for me. Like I, he was one of the first people that I was like, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Can you refresh everyone a bit on his, if in case they don't know who he is. And then you were on a show recently and let us know a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So Greg Anderson, he was a port of Seattle officer um, right at the beginning of COVID when they were shutting down businesses. And he put out a video that went viral to all other law enforcement, like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. This is in violation of the Constitution. We swore to protect the Constitution. I don't care if it, it means your job. You need to fucking stand up for people. And it was so eloquently put. I don't know. It was about seven minutes long. You guys can find it anywhere. And he did it on duty. And I asked him, I'm like, how long did it take for you to lose your job after that video went out and he said literally six hours they asked him to take it down they're like oh it's a great it's a great video we support the message but we've got um, instructions from the higher ups for you to take it down and he said i'm not going to do that and so he lost his job 
And then, um, but he does clarify that he would have lost his job anyways, because soon after that, the masks and then the vaccines. So he would end up walking away anyways. But this way, now people know who he is. And he was contacted by some pretty big names. He's launched a podcast. It's called Endless Endeavor. He has a very successful jujitsu academy in Lake Stevens, Washington. And he's just kind of a local boy. He's got his past. Um, he was in the military for many years. He did see some really serious shit. And he also was a U.S. Marshal in California for some time. So he, I'm sure he's got some stories there. But he's doing really well. And it was just, it was an Instagram thing. I sent him a message. I was like, dude, you know, I love your podcast. You want to have me on? I, I might have something to contribute. And he was like, hell yeah, I love Naked and Afraid. So I guess good thing I've got the Naked and Afraid thing or nobody would talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I talk to you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like only famous people, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an in, you know. And so he invited me up. It yeah. took a few weeks for me to get up there. And oh, you actually went? Yeah, I went to oh. his house and um, met his wife and got to meet one of his kids and his animals. He's got some really cute dogs and cat, and his kids got a tarantula. So I'm all enamored by that. And he's a nice dude and he's got these badass t-shirts that are out. You guys need to go check out his podcast. He's got a lot to offer. I didn't know he was still talking. That's exciting. No, he was, it was really beautiful to see him have the courage to stand up because every single person who had courage in 2020 has a part of my heart. Like I still remember all of these random, like there's one Royal De Janeiro, I believe is his name. And he still just keeps talking. I remember hearing him say things. Plus, it was so hard to come out as a Trump supporter for me anyway. Uh So that gave me courage. And those people who are just talking, who still don't have like giant followings, they're just talking. Like Ian Smith was a big one for me. It was people who were taking a stand and dealing with the consequences. They didn't care. Showing others that it was possible. And I'm just like forever will be like, yeah, you did something. You actually did something that caused you a loss of something but you didn't care. You found the truth to be more important. And I love Greg and I'm so excited to listen to that interview. Um, will you just let people know too about your podcast? Cause Fringe with Benefits, I know you haven't been doing it, but it's so incredible because you, cause the way that you are, Sorry. you like all, oh, you're fine. <laughs> you like all the weird and anomalous things. So yeah. it's a very unique take and you do provide the news as well. But I love, and I've said this before, like you're the news that you bring is all, it's not all the mainstream. Like you find these fun little things. I don't even know where you find them and you give commentary. So can you describe your podcast a little bit? Yeah. Uh, Fringe with Benefits, it is, um, it's a conglomerate of different segments. So I like to take everything from the weirdest of the weirdest news, um, whether it's conspiracy stuff, cryptids, Sasquatch, um, science. I love science. So anything strange that I think people need to talk about, as well as like metaphysical stuff, multidimensional stuff, um, anything weird. I like to bring that to people. And I like to talk about the things that gets everyone banned. So you know, if you like reptilians and <laughs> extraterrestrials, I talk about all that stuff. And even some pretty, pretty horrendous abuse situations in which things go above and beyond what we normally see. And then I also like to talk about philosophy. So there is some stuff in there in which I talk about 
um, not only um, universal principles and universal truths, but self-improvement and wellness and taking care of yourself. And that's, and then I have people on that are interesting and want to have a discussion or get their um, experiences out or perspectives out there. And so, yeah, everything all weird and fringy is what it is. It's so good. And you do so good. It's like, well, you just started having guests in the last year. Yeah. So, but just doing that on your own, the way you piece everything together, I was just always so impressed by how you did that. And then you have your little, your little stories, people write in and tell things, uh, tell you their stories and you read them on air. And then the ghost stuff really yeah, got like me. Ghosts. I like that. There's some really <laughs> fringy stuff that I'm like, whoa, this is super interesting. <laughs> yep. I like all the the weird stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've always been into that kind of stuff. I was a big fan of X-Files when I was a kid. My dad had some extraterrestrial UFO experiences. So we always talked about that. And he said that he knew somebody that knew that there were reptiles walking around in meat suits that look like us. I don't know if they're shapeshifters or not, but the potential's there when you look at quantum physics. I mean, anything and everything is possible when you look at things from that perspective. And so who's to say what we see with our eyes is, I mean, what's in the ether? You know, what, what do the other densities have for us that's coexisting with us at this moment right now, but we just can't see it. It's amazing. Absolutely. Party it's been on. so good catching up. Is there anything else you want to bring up or talk about? I'm trying to think it's just been so long. <laughs> Well, we should do this more often. And I'm really proud of you and happy that you have come out on the other side. Spring is almost here. It's a new beginning. And um, you're doing the right thing by exposing, or at least just sharing your experience. You don't even have to necessarily expose somebody else's bad behavior. When When we are honest and transparent, and we share our experiences, instead of hiding away in a hole and being pissed off that somebody did us wrong, Put it out in the open. Maybe people won't act like such assholes if it's out in the open, you know? That's people how I feel. I just, shit. I want it to stop. That's it. And mm -hmm. I was even thinking today, cause I, I keep going <laughs> <laughs> in my chats on Telegram, like I'm, I'm kind of hitting her wherever I can, um, because I just want her to stop hurting mm -hmm. people and threatening people and using people and lying pe to people. And I'm like, I was thinking today, like, how long am I going to do this? I don't know. Uh, and then it was like, she could end it all. Dude, I just, you might she be She needs the next to walk leader. away. I'm not trying to be a leader of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to join your telegram group right now. What you should. Oh, you send me a, a link. I'll send you. Yeah, they'll both be below here, but I will definitely. Okay. I'll send you a link. Um, I have one called the Misfits, which is just um, a small group of us. And we just... We're dealing with the aftermath and laughing and doing all that stuff. And then there's Brad's channel. It's like very heavily watched by all these uh, paranoid freaks. So <laughs> fun. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. I'll it is there. a good time. And um, I'm trying not to be in my phone too much, but it's hard because it is a part of my process and I, it's okay. Like I have to like go through and work it out. And uh, there's other people there that um, are helping me and, vice versa so it's just part of the process but thank you for your support and I just I love you so much it's been 
so good having um this is my first episode that's going to go back on spotify and apple because this has all been youtube only so this is season three kick off with (laughs) stacy i'm so excited paula anyway love you girl love you too thank you all right bye bye This week on Inward Survival's School of Magic, I want you to check out this Instagram reel that I've linked below. It's extremely inspirational, and he gives us an example of a practice we can use to manifest some of our goals and some of our dreams. So basically, in a nutshell, it's this. It's a writing exercise. You write the date on a piece of paper, and then you list 10 goals you'd like to accomplish in the next 12 months. You write them in present tense, like... I earn this much money, I am whatever, you know, just write them in present tense. And then you take that list and say, if you can magically make one of those things happen, if you could have any one goal on this list in 24 hours, which one would have the greatest impact on your life, the greatest positive impact on your life? You circle it. And then on a fresh sheet of paper, you transfer that goal as the heading. And then seven steps from there, you write it down, You give yourself a deadline. You list everything you have to do to accomplish it. Then you organize that list into tasks, a checklist task or a task checklist. And then you do something every day. And before you know it, you're gonna have that thing, that goal that that is so far out of reach for you right now. It's really not that far out of reach. You just have to organize the steps to get you there. Next, we're going to talk about emotional intelligence and simple habits of emotionally intelligent people. I am one of those people that I'm way overly emotional to where I am unable to discuss serious things, okay? And it is probably my biggest weakness, and it is a sign of weakness. This is something I really need to work on by being objective when it's related to me when I have high emotions about it. It's terribly difficult to work through and it is a huge weakness for me. So this is something I really wanted to dive into and kind of figure out. I guess most of us aren't very good at managing difficult emotions because we don't know how they work. For example, we procrastinate constantly because we don't realize we're avoiding our own anxiety, not just so much the work, but our own anxiety. We argue incessantly with our partners or our friends because we don't realize being critical is our defense mechanism against insecurity and fear of loneliness. We feel constantly stressed and anxious because we rely on superficial coping strategies that temporarily bring relief but actually increase our anxiety in the long run. Like, I mean, geez, people use smoking, eating, drinking, things that are not healthy that just cause more issues over time. Emotional intelligence comes from experience and good habits. What you are doing and not doing on a regular basis will determine your level of emotional intelligence. So the first habit you can develop is talk about your emotions plainly. A lot of us are in the habit of intellectualizing difficult emotions and we substitute more conceptual or metaphorical language when describing how we feel. So for example, we, if we're pissed, we say, oh, I'm just stressed out. Or if we feel sad, we say, I ju- I'm kind of down today. 
or if by instead of saying I'm disappointed we say or instead of saying I'm really hurt we say I'm disappointed but being stressed isn't an emotion it's a psychological response or it's a physiological response and similarly being down isn't an emotion it's a metaphor hurt is an idea that encompasses a wide variety of emotions and thoughts so there's nothing wrong with using these words to describe how we're feeling but it's very easy to get into the habit of using them as a way to avoid being honest about how we really feel because saying stressed is less comfortable less comfortable and more socially acceptable than admitting you're pissed um, saying that you're down is more vague and less painful than admitting that you feel sad. Emotionally intelligent people talk about how they feel in simple, honest language. Just say it. And in addition to not making these emotions bigger and more painful through avoidance, talking about your emotions in plain language will help you understand them better and become more self-aware. If you want to improve your emotional intelligence, and I think this is a great pointer, Start by training yourself to talk about your emotions like you're a six-year-old and use simple, straightforward words for how you feel. The next habit to develop is to schedule some alone time with your mind. Emotional intelligence is less about the facts you know about how the brain works and more about your relationship with your own mind and understanding the results. You could be a smarty mix smarter son, but also never take the time to think about and consider why you get so irritated with people in your life. And if you don't do this, you're unlikely to make progress. And you can be a practicing therapist or psychologist, but if you don't make serious effort to sit with your own feelings of jealousy for people around you, higher earning people, people that have more followers than you, whatever it is, if you are unwilling to give it a serious effort to sit with those feelings and explore them, you're likely to continue feeling resentful and end up ruining some relationships or torturing yourself. You can only get to know another person deeply by making time to be together with them. And the same thing goes for getting to know yourself. If you want to improve your emotional intelligence, you need to make time to sit with your thoughts and beliefs and contemplate your mood and emotions, ponder your dreams and expectations. And there's all sorts of ways to do this. Meditation, prayer, journaling, therapy, or going for long walks without your phone. The next one is to be curious about bad moods, not just judgmental. It is something that we do when our immediate reaction to feeling bad is to beat ourselves up for feeling bad. Being judgmental of our bad moods has at least two negative consequences. Criticizing yourself for feeling bad makes you feel worse. And then judgment prevents new learning. Ask yourself a few questions. What are the facts? What actually happened leading up to this mood? Who, what, when, where, how, you know? Um, also, what are my emotions trying to tell me? See them as messengers as to what you should be listening to. What is my story? If you're experiencing a lot of difficult moods and emotions, the origin lies in your patterns of thinking. Look at the stories you're telling yourself and pay extra attention to any expectations you may have had because that could be why. And last, what do I really want? In the face of a strong emotion, it's easy to behave reactively. 
But in long term, you'll feel much better if you align your actions with your values. Look at the things you really want, not just what will make you feel good temporarily. Next is spend less time around emotionally immature people. Consider this. If you want to become a better musician, should you spend time around musicians or non-musicians? If you want to eat healthy, should you spend time around people who have a good diet or people who eat junk food? If you want to if you want to be successful, are you going to hang out with the loser on the corner or one of your buddies from high school that's still doing the same shit that you guys were doing back in high school? Or do you want to be around somebody who's actually setting goals and smashing them? If you spend a lot of time around emotionally immature people, it's going to be difficult to improve your own emotional intelligence. If you make it a point to spend more time around people who have healthy relationship with their emotions and value things like self-awareness and emotional intelligence, your chances of growing in those areas increase. And if you pay attention to people who have a high degree of emotional intelligence and maturity, one pattern you'll notice is that they are in- intentional about minimizing the time they spend around emotionally immature people because they know how it feels to hang out with people like that. All you need to know to improve your emotional intelligence. It just takes a little bit of work and a little bit of willingness. Commit to these healthy habits that reinforce it. So let's go over them real quick again. Talk about your emotions plainly, like a six-year-old. Schedule alone time with your mind. Get to know yourself. Be curious about your bad moods, not judgmental. And spend less time around emotionally immature people. Those are all good things, and I'm going to take my own damn advice. Our Stoic of the Week is Plato. He said, There are two things a person should never be angry at. What they can help and what they cannot. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. And last, to end this episode, Plato said, Knowledge without justice ought to be called cunning rather than wisdom. Have a great week. Thank you for being here with me on Fringe with Benefits.